Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave in the shed. <laughs> you thought it would never happen, Rupert, with me as Chris. <laughs> oh, beautiful ombre in the booth choir. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing just fine. I hear, so I'm looking at you. I know that this is not a video show, and sometimes we kill our video if we're having bandwidth trouble, but you got the fiber, and my internet's okay here, so sometimes we leave the cameras on, you know? But you're mm-hmm. probably in Zooms all day, too, like the rest of us, pandemic life. I hear you're going to, are, are you thinking of getting uh, going above and beyond the, the webcam? Well, yeah, so now that I have the space, right, yeah. Now, now the mind your hobbies is gonna wandering. turn into fifty more hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now my brain, like you know, this is okay. This is the whole ep- This whole episode is Dave's friggin' brain and its problems. The problems Dave's brain creates for itself. So I have the space, right? So I'm like, well, yeah, might as well gussy it up. Get a new desk mat, get a yeah. new, you know, plants, a little. I'm looking behind oh. you and you got like a space heater, maybe. No, it can't be a heater in Texas. It's just an air filter. And like yeah, a poster like... you like thumbed up on the wall. Like that's it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty. Well, you that's got a lot of window, but. Oh, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> Looks like tell. it was. A little fogged up. Um, yeah, but. Hey, but it's time. Anyway, it's I'm... time to gussy it up. What are you going to do? Gussying it up. Because you can only I'm do buying. one thing at once, right? Otherwise, your bank account's just a goner, right? So you, you can't be like, oh, I got to do this. We are, we are emptying the bank. <laughs> <laughs> we are just, what? You get one shot. This is it. But anyway, I'm like, you know, so now that I have the space, my mind's like, oh, you know, no kids. Chris, no kids. I could finally, like, start that streaming channel I wanted to start two years ago. You know, like, I could start doing that, you know? I right. could, oh, if I'm going to stream, I got to get the better camera. You know what I mean? Because you're doing the better camera. Oh, you have to. Stream. You have to. You can't use you this camera. No. I mean, you, you, you don't have to. have to, but you kind of have to. Nobody, stream, nobody watches a stream with that, with your low-res crap you're rocking right now. It's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I have thought about getting a VTuber, you know, where they, like, I'm an anime girl, like, you know, doing the uh Oh, there stream. you go. You know yeah, how, like, Dan Cedarholm just has decided he's a puppet now? He's, yeah, yeah. That's actually hella clever because now he just, he's fixed his on-camera appearance for the rest of his life by buying one puppet. Yeah. So just, <laughs> it's genius, really. Very clever. Um, so you're going to uh, put makeup on. But me. chances are you're going to get a camera, right? Or just be yourself. I'll, I'll probably get a camera, but that's, you know, because you get into YouTubes, right? Like YouTubing. Uh, you need the overcam, right? And then you need like what's B-roll. the overcam? Is it just it looks but, down at you instead of yeah, it looks down at your hands like while you're typing chicka chicka or like oh. drawing on an iPad or reviewing a product or whatever, you know? Okay, okay. And so you yeah. just I don't have so that. now I'm like oh now I need the the now I need the five ten products from Elgato to make all this happen, you know? It's uh huh. Do you do two? Do, do you, is it like doing a self two camera shoot? Do you get a straight on shot? And an up and the side. Yeah, you could same. do like both, I guess, but I don't know how you do that. Like, I don't. I guess know. you have OBS all stitched that together or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm just kind of like, oh man, now, now. Well, I did it, have- but not in here in the booth. But I have the kind of the DSLR on a little Elgato mount behind my desk. Because honestly, it really wasn't that hard to wire up. You know, I just put the DSLR on there and made sure it was a DSLR camera that had clean HDMI. You put the HDMI into the little Elgato cam link or whatever it's called. And there are cheaper alternatives to that because that's the thing that goes from HDMI to USB, essentially. 
Because yeah. you're, you know, our Macs don't have HDMI inputs on them. They just don't, nope. you know. So you yeah. do that. And then it by some hardware magic in there, it gets recognized as a as a camera just like any other webcam you plug in. And then you just select yeah. it and it just works. There's like technologically yeah. there it was not a it was not a reach, you know. Last night in the Discord, our Patreon Discord, I was roping people into seeing if, you know, what's the deal with like uh, programmatic remote controls for my TV. Because mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. somehow, unbelievably audience, I got roped into buying basically a proprietary remote, which I didn't know at the time. In order for them to change one little setting on my remote, they got to send out a person, a human oh. being to my house to reprogram my remote control, which made me, of course, now that I know that makes me want to throw into a volcano. That's just insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not a product. Like, why can't you just, when you hooked me up, why didn't you just do use a Logitech one and set that up or whatever? I feel like I was yeah. even clear about that too. Cause at the, when the guy was installed, he's like, yeah, there's just some software. Yeah. So I was thinking, ah, whatever. When it, when it comes time to reprogram it, I'll just download the software and do it, you know? But yeah. no, it's vendor locked software that you have to be an approved vendor of the stupid remote control. Anyway, I can't remember how I got off going on that, but the, so, yeah. the camera so if you situation ever upgrade is easy. anything. Yeah. yeah. If you ever add anything, you're toast, right? Yeah. So. Just a joke. Just a joke. So if you do it, you could go DSLR, but there's, there's lots of good options too. It seems like a, most people end up with a, what looks like a remember when you used to buy a camera to bring with like yeah. if you were going to go to Japan or whatever you'd just bring a phone sized camera with you because yeah, it was a little point and shoot a right? point and shoot that's what they call that I think these some of these are a little above and beyond point and shoot but because they're not you know they're not straight up single legs reflex with a big detachable lens or anything but they still look really good and are a little smaller so that yeah, that's an option that's- too. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Maybe the more like, not the like DSLR with the Canon, you know, yeah, twenty foot Canon lens, you know. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm doing, which is because I already had it. Well, what's right, the? Right. Uh, you showed a box of crap you're going to get rid of the other day on Twitter. I think why can't you oh, repurpose this box one? Of crap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the box of crap. Oh, one of those things that. has got a camera on it, doesn't it? Well, you could do that. Oh yeah, I guess so. Um, like, uh, like yeah, I've seen the the iPhone trick, right? Like people, yeah. You just, you just can't use your iPhone actual iPhone because then if somebody calls you, you're like, oh, hold on, let me detach my hold webcam. On, me, yeah, um, you know, I could do that. Uh, oh, I don't know. That's actually just throwing ideas. No, that's even. not a bad idea. I mean, especially if like I am, you know. Uh, do for upgrades or whatever and, and stuff yeah. like that. So maybe I get a new phone and then I have just a nice iPhone camera. Yeah. That might be, I, Trent, I need to fine. try that. Dave's going to so. put on the company card. Deal with it. Put it on the company card. There you go, <laughs> so, sorry. Had to have it. <laughs> That's what they get for making me social chair. I have to buy cameras. That's true. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see what you do because it is a little bit of a, uh, rabbit hole, you know, I hate to say it because you're like, well, I got that, but now I need the nice mount for it. And now I need to hide the cable that goes down from the pole. So I need that thing. And then, ooh, it's a little echoey in here. I need to buy some acoustic paneling for the back. And then like, oh, mm-hmm. but a green screen would be cool because, you know, the window behind you is nice and all. But if you're going to full on YouTube, you should probably green screen it. And then you might as yeah. well get the nice one that mounts to the ceiling so you can just pull it down and push it mm-hmm. right away. Yeah, totally. So then you're... <laughs> You're deep. Now, You're I'm, deep. now I'm three grand into my 
hobby of, of I want to make a YouTube, you know? So this is yeah. my favorite Dave thing before the show. You're like, we were joking a little bit about then you do a, like a video. You're you, Dave new Dave YouTuber Rupert does 30 minutes, you know, shows you how to, I don't know, do auth and rails or whatever you're going to do. I don't know. That'd be boring, but I'm sure you'll do something interesting. Then you did it. Good job. <laughs> now you got the rest of the week to polish that thing up. It's like you did 30 minutes of actual work and now you're about to do about 790 minutes of whiz-bang yeah. YouTubery. Well, that's that's just it. I feel like it takes, it, like, to be a successful YouTuber, you, A, have to only do one thing. We've already talked about kind of the algorithm stuff, you know? Like, you have to have a all wheelhouse, don't diverge, or you have to start another channel, you know? Uh, I don't have that. My brain doesn't work that way. It would be cool if it did, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, I too much generalist. So then, but the second thing is if I feel like to be a skilled YouTuber, you take a like 30 minute, one hour task and you turn it into a week long video that it took you a week to make, you know, like I'm going to organize my bookshelf one hour task, took you a week to like set up the cameras, get the right angles, do storyboard it out a little bit, write a little bit of a script, get some goofs and gags, you know, in there, the right right exact PewDiePie moment. And then you go over and you, then you edit for like three days, you know, and get the right royalty free music in there, you know, at the beats and the record scratch when you do a goof face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're right, because then, but but it, because it does make for more engaging content. I mean, I watch that crap sometimes, you know. Well, and there's such a formula, you know, and and yeah, I don't know. And then there's people who phone it in and they still get views. That that's what kills me. Mm. I, there's one guy who does tech reviews, and uh, he, I watch him because it's just short and like, oh well, that was kind of interesting. But he's just talks about whatever yeah, some thirty dollar really gizmo he bought on Amazon and he turns it into a yeah five minutes and then he does two of those and that's God the bless eleven minute too, mark. Though, you know? And everybody else who's ever made a video where I'm like, I can't get my snowblower started. I'll just basically put that into YouTube and there's like five videos to be like, today we're gonna start a snowblower that hasn't been started in a year. You know, and they're screaming over the wind, and I'm like, "You're perfect. You're exactly what I need. Never change." You know, never change. No, no I the best ones. The like for me is like the low grade phone phone grade. Uh, yeah, like just contractors. Like, all right, I'm going to show you how to like fix a drywall hole. Here we go. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but and then there's whiz bang ones too, and they'll probably do better. But you never know. Yeah, this I, is a fun watching. Very fancy. Japanese joinery videos on, on, yeah. Uh, and that's going to be very expensive when I get into that. We're dabbling at CodePen because Shaw does it for keyframers, you know, and it wasn't just that, but I'm like, you know, I've been, I kind of took over the podcast this year for CodePen radio from Marie, just to like switch it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I've been just arbitrarily shipping right in our podcast feed, by the way, which is, I don't necessarily recommend this to people because we've gotten mostly like confused feedback about it. But, you know, in the XML for an RSS feed, hashtag RSS tricks, it doesn't have to be an MP3. It can be an MP4. Oh, oh yeah. In the in yeah. a lot of video or podcast players will just play it. They'll just be like, oh, it's a video one. Cool. This used to be like really weirdly common on iTunes back in the day. 
That's yeah. like how video shows were, it was like very common to have a video podcast. And then it kind of just fell out of favor or whatever. But most podcast players are set up to handle even my pocket cast. It'll just play the video. Just it'll have, you know. Wow. Yeah. It's fine. It's just it's a big shift because all of a sudden one of your podcasts, which used to be like 62 megabytes or something, is now like 900 megabytes or yeah. 1.2 gigabytes or something. And you're like, oh, people are like, that's a little wild. Yeah, I think you know, and your bandwidth the, bill's a little whack for that too. So bandwidth goes weird, but you know, you can, I don't know because YouTube won't give you a like a direct URL that you can put source, in. Or, yeah. Right, so you, you're on your own bandwidth wise, which means it's in an S3 bucket, which means it's not like the world's cheapest thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. put Cloudflare mm-hmm. in front of it. I don't know, that'll help a little. Cloudinary. I don't know. Yeah, Cloudinary is even bandwidth based, but okay. So there's that. So we're dabbling, and and I buy the green screen. I'm like a little ahead of you, and got a new space and emptied the bank account problem. You know. Yeah. But I did yeah. it. I wired up the the green screen on the ceiling. I pull it down. I change my desk because it whatever. I just that's the organization of my desk is at an angle, and I need to turn it to face the green screen. And then I have the uh, another uh, three Elgato products, at least four, I guess, on my desk. My gosh, what a company, huh? Because I have the key light, which shines on my face. I have this mount for the camera. I have the cam link that plugs it in and the green screen behind me. Four Elgato products, my gosh. But it's so beautiful is when you shoot your camera with the Elgato then, what I use this thing called ScreenFlow that gets all the things and allows me to do the staging later. But that's a whole part of this conversation. I really wish I could do the staging as I'm recording. I don't know how YouTubers do this, but they do. And then they're like pointing at stuff on their screen. Mm-hmm. How the hell do you do that? Anyway, I just, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Every every time somebody's like, click this link or whatever, and they point up, I'm like, how'd you know the link was going <laughs> I know. I guess they just know, but they just know. But like, if you could pre-compose before you hit record and then you're looking at yourself somehow as you're recording, that would be magic. I have not figured that out yet. But I just record. Then in ScreenFlow, I just hit chroma key on the video and it just wipes out the green screen. There's like no mm-hmm. knowledge needed to do it. So now I got me and Shaw. He's got a green screen too already because he had it for keyframers. So now I'm on the bottom left corner and he's on the bottom right corner okay. and we're, we got code pen behind heads. us. Yeah. Nice, it's nice. fun. And the time of it, because I'm obsessed about, like, not spending all week editing this video. Like, I don't have time Mm -hmm. for that. I'm, like, you know, technically run this company to some degree. You know, like, I like to have fun, and it's kind of a hobby-based thing, but I cannot spend eight hours editing this video. you have a very, (laughs) you have a very big blog you manage. You have a (laughs) uh, company you manage. You have a podcast that you do a lot of the the behind-the-scenes work here. So, you know, like. Right. Yeah. And we've done 400 and this is what, 453, I think we're recording mm-hmm. now. That's a lot of podcasts. I attribute that long termness to the fact that we don't, we, we are always looking for little ways to make what we do easier in a way. And I think if you're going to start a new YouTube, you can, you can spend the time. It's a hobby. Do the polish too, but have your eye on the prize of like, how can I streamline this? How can I make this process easier? easy so that I can just record the thing and publish it. And because so many YouTubers, I, like every single one has a I'm burnout video, you know, like, yeah. cause I think, you know, that shipping content every week, that's a right. lot of burnout. So. Right. Especially if you haven't cracked it. I mean, if you're making a thousand dollars a video somehow, 
you're probably not burned out because that's your job then to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably worth it. That hits the worth it bucket. Yeah. So, and then if it goes up from there, then it gets su- super more worth it. Maybe we should talk about websites. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Websites instead of my theoretical YouTube and Twitch <laughs> empire, but whatever, yeah, we'll get there. You will get there. I'm going to bug you about it forever. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by the makers of Axe Dev Tools. Literally, it's like a Dev Tools plugin you add to your browser, so that when you open the native Dev Tools, there's like an Axe tab there, and you can run tests. It's really good. I just did a video with Preeti from there on CSS Tricks, so go watch that if you haven't, because we really dig into all the possibilities there. Pretty amazing. They just launched uh, Axe Dev Tools Pro. Uh, uh, you can try it for free for 14 days. Otherwise, try it 20% off uh, with promo code SHOPTALK. What it unlocks for you is it makes that plugin way better. It has these things in it called intelligent guided tests, which you have to see. They're amazing accessibility things that you can test, but it has to walk you through some stuff because it has to ask you some questions uh, and gain some insight to what's happening on your page, which is stuff that like a purely automated test isn't going to catch, but is super vital for the accessibility of a website. So you probably didn't set out to build an app that was purposely inaccessible. Like none of us do that. (laughs) We're like, I'm going to make a crappy inaccessible site, but you probably did, you know, like I run it on my site and I'm like, whoa, there's some problems here. Oops, I best guess I better fix those. You didn't set out for problems, but you still need to fix them. So the Axe DevTools uh, uh, Pro browser extension helps you find them. And you don't have to be an expert at all about accessibility. It's just that helpful. So start catching and squashing these accessibility issues as you code. Friends, don't let friends ship inaccessible code. Follow the link in the show notes or just go Find Axdev Tools Pro and use sh- the the code Shop Talk to get it. I was I was talking with somebody else about this, and I feel like I'm changing my mind on it a little bit. So I need like a Dave gut gut check. Hey, hit me. Well, and especially because it's related to some of this Babel stuff we've been talking about. Everybody knows what Babel is. Babel's just future JavaScript, right? You turn it on, and then you just use whatever you want in JavaScript. It attempts to uh, sort of polyfill or let you use these speculative or, or stage one, two, three, four, I think is what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, ECMAScript features. And then it figures out a way to make that somewhat compatible to real yeah. life. So. And it, it's like, it's like DX delivered by developer experience. So now I can be like, Oh, a spread operator. How neat is that? That really fits my mental model of, you know, it makes my code much more readable. I love spread operators. And if Babel is a big part of my thing, I never have to think about browsers. It's just like, mm-hmm. it will just make it work. It's not that you'd never have to think about anything. Cause it's like a lot of people are doing the split bundles and serving it to different browsers. Yada, yada, but let's not go there. I'm just thinking of what Babel does for you is it allows you to use future syntax without worrying that much about it if at all mm-hmm. just use it and i know we're starting to i i i would like to think that we're moving away from it ish as an industry oh. babel yeah or, yeah babel or... a little bit because it's because some of the best stuff that it polyfills is is already shipped that's true like like the uh critical needs the most browsers have caught up to like 
for example, constant let or symbol, you know, or iterators, you know, for of and stuff like that. So it's just JavaScript is maybe slowed down a little bit. If they shipped a bunch of stuff tomorrow that was like, wow, how great. And that stuff was like, uh, what do you call it when it's not, you're not really polyfilling it because you don't have to, but you are polyfilling it, but it's, but you can just do it by just changing the code a little bit, not by like literally loading a, you know, 30 K library. Yeah. Like shim. Yeah. Polyfill sort of thing. I'm just thinking of like in CSS, uh, some things, this is where I'm headed with this, by the way, is because I want to talk about using, doing the same kind of thing in CSS. If you wanted to polyfill, for example, like the is selector or something like article is expanded or something, and then you can comma separate that the is is like this colon selector. What do you call those? Like a <laughs> why is my brain broken? A pseudo class selector. Pseudo class, yeah, like cover uh, whatever. That has a one to one mapping to just an, an alternate expanded way to write that. So if you are going to polyfill it, quote unquote. You could just look at that syntax and just change it to the one that doesn't use is. That's just an expanded way of writing that. You didn't have to load up any JavaScript or whatever. You just were able to change the code and now you're essentially supporting that feature. That's possible to do, but there's certain things that just aren't. Like you cannot just by changing up the code make CSS custom properties work like CSS custom properties. It's like not possible, you know, it's like not, not a thing that you can do. So some things are like that and some aren't. And I think JavaScript is in that bucket too. Sometimes like a spread operator, there's just another way to express that by like writing a little bit more expanded code, but it's Mm -hmm. not like impossible to polyfill. Unlike some, some JavaScript API, you just if it doesn't exist it just doesn't exist you can't you can't use it then i don't know Mm -hmm. i I feel like there's like different categories of these kind of things okay so all that said if you're in if you love the idea of Babel and just like i just want to write future stuff cs javascript stuff and not think about it which i admit is a kind of a nice place to be as a javascript author the spiritual version of that in css is post css plus their plugin post CSS preset env, which is very Babel esque. Babel's plugin for doing this is preset env, Babel preset mm-hmm. env. Uh, it means just like preset environment. And I think the idea is that it looks at some kind of browser target list and is like, I will polyfill things according to that list of browsers you intend to target. So if that, if that list is includes IE11 in it and I'm going to do different things than if that list doesn't and have IE11 in it and that kind of thing. So my question is like for, for just to see where I'm at about it for a long time I just like rejected this idea. It's just like I don't like it. There's so many things like CSS custom properties that I don't like the idea of propagating to the world that you can polyfill these because you can't. It's not something you can just make work in IE 11. It's not happening. Or do IE 11 have them? I don't think they do, actually. Yeah, because the idea is you have, like in JavaScript, if you want to add, use a feature that doesn't exist, 
you just add more code to make that feature exist more or less, or you modify your code a little bit, right? Right, like, right. I mean, you can't make geolocation API work, but you can make a spread operator work. You know? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So, and there's a lot of stuff you can, and Babel won't tell you that it can make an API work that doesn't. But it, you know, it's mostly about syntactic features of the language. Mm-hmm. And Babel is widely regarded as good. Thank God we yeah. have this. Let's put it in every pipeline ever. Let's even give mm-hmm. it more jobs like JSX and stuff. M- you know, whatever you think about it, mostly people think of Babel as this big success and a big, very cool project that the world has. And I does this CSS project then does it deserve that same kind of love? And should everyone be using this too? Should it should it fill that same place? And for a long time, my brain rejected it, and I feel like I'm like coming around a little bit. I'm like, why is this so different than JavaScript? There are a few things that are different, but as I like look at this project more and look at its like blessed list of because it's not one project that does this. Basically, this thing is like a a, a set of plugins that it chooses that it thinks fit spiritually this concept and you go Mm -hmm. up and down them and you're like yeah 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 i see what they're doing there that looks pretty good and stuff like nesting is kind of like a no-brainer because it's like yeah just nest you know like that's easy to unnest in a compilation progress and even this is why i'm coming around is even i looked at the custom properties plugin which in my brain i'm like People, no, you cannot polyfill custom properties. It's not a thing. It's DOM dependent. JavaScript interacts with them. You can't just compile these away. It doesn't really claim to compile them away. What it does is it just makes them not fail in an older browser. It just sets up a basic color, and then it leaves your CSS custom properties in place for modern browsers. So they're all still there in your code. It's just like puts a fallback in behind it so that it doesn't die. I'm like, okay, that's cool. It's not pretending to polyfill them. It's just it's just making them not break in older browsers. I'm like, that's acceptable to me. So I've kind of, I don't know if I'm completely sold on it yet. For some reason, I don't embrace it as much as I embrace Babel, but I'm starting to come around that this is kind of like a good idea. So the plugin is postcss-preset-end, right? That's right. Like that's the, the... And you got to use postcss to use it. That's the idea. Because it, it's you write CSS, your version of it, and it comes by, does an afterpass, it post processes this into something, um, which everything's kind of post. Right. Uh, Same thing um, as auto prefixer. It looks at your CSS, it transforms um, it, some CSS spits out the other side. I think so. This, this is me being like, I have two takes. Like, grumpy old man take um, is. I think I get frustrated when the input and the output are different, you know, like I wrote this and now the output is very different. And I know there's probably a source map in the way, so I could figure it out and debug it in the browser, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But when the input and output are different, I get a little frustrated. Same thing happened literally yesterday with me and tailwind. I wrote, I had to write some custom CSS because passing, uh, styling a web component with tailwind is not the best experience in the world. I will say that because <laughs> um, you literally can't just add classes, Chris. Anyway, figured that out. Uh, uh, but I, yeah, so I like, but the output was not working. So I had to go back in and whitelist stuff. It, it's not a good feeling to me. Um, but if you told me like this post CSS 
preset EMV could give me like flex gap or something like that. Mm. Oh, ho, ho. I'm in because I, I, that's a great example, Dave. It cannot do that. It can't. Well, then I'm out. I mean, (laughs) maybe if you, if it like, no, I don't think so. I don't think it can. So then that's where I get confused. That's where, that's where like back to my old grumpy old take, like my expectation is, okay, cool. I can just write future stuff. Uh, but, but then the output doesn't match what I thought the output would probably be, you know, or some way to figure it out. That's where I get frustrated. But that said, I like, there's some cool features that says it does like all initial and stuff like that. If you've ever had to like bail out of styles, like that's actually pretty cool. Uh, you know, focus visible. Yeah, You really got to look and see what it's choosing to do. Color functions would be bad. A like if you could do like lab and LCH and stuff and yeah. gray, but and like alpha, what a weird hex. promise, right? Cause some, Literal browsers just don't, like you need to leave that code alone in the output in order to take advantage of the best of what those things have to offer. Like if this thing just polyfills LCH down to RGBA, you're getting no advantage of using that color space. You know, okay, yeah. that's cool that you were able to write it that way, but anything that LCH could do that RGBA cannot, done. It's you got wiped out in the conversion process. That's what I don't like about this. Is the yeah, yeah. I mean, but I don't know. here's if what it, it does, had... though. It, what it probably does is it it leaves the LCH in there and puts an RGBA behind it, and that's you like, know what I mean, up above it or whatever. Up, up, so, yeah, above it. Yeah. Meaning that if LCH is supported, it's there, and if it's not, the RGA is behind it. That's okay to me. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that's what I, I guess I had wrong in my head is that I thought mm-hmm. that it would try to like totally compile it away, gone. But it doesn't always do that. And I don't know about the LCH plugin specifically, because you kind of got to look at each one to see what its approach is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a like a pretty good demo on it. Um, I, you know, uh, this is again, like if I, you know, like when like arrow functions, right? Like, yeah, that's one thing I use Babel for or like did. Now I don't really need to, you know, right. it's, that seems um, like easy enough to transform away. Right. Because it's just a little syntactic sugar. You just make it a function instead. And then you have a little bit of this manipulation to smurf with to make sure it's correct. Yeah. So if one of these CSS things had a um, if one of these CSS like post processors had that level of like ease and like i want this i'm gonna write this and if you can automatically make it better for other browsers then i'll probably put you in my pipeline if it's just gonna go smooth you know um but you know then you you kind of you're again you're you're introducing an abstraction you're now one step removed from the output who knows how is that one line of code or 10, I mean, do you feel the same way about SAS because it's just different than what you wrote, kind of thing? Or is this? I feel the same way about SAS. I'm mm-hmm. honestly like, like, I'm trying, you know, I, I'm less this year than previous years. If you've been listening to the podcast, um, I, I'm mo- trying to move away from like build tools in general. Like, whatever build tool I can shed, I want to ditch, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. 
And so your vibe for a long time, to be fair, it's been my vibe for a long time, but you know, then all of a sudden I'm just like, whatever I use Nuxt now. (laughs) So just (laughs) like, which is great, you know, but, but I think that's the, the tweak, right? Like I, I use one build process in Nuxt. I type Nuxt and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I, it adds all the CSS and the SAS and the, yeah typescript or whatever like it's almost good there, so. that it's abstracted from you you know at least it feels simpler even if it's yeah, not if the tool if the tool comes with abstractions you know like and and can auto oh, let's call it flavoring auto flavor my css then that's great so I'll another cons- consideration here is like w- with Babel and with post css preset m here we should call it Babel Preset M too, because I get I, you could probably get really weird with your Babel and have all kinds of transformations that are non-standard. But Preset M, I think the spirit of it is like these are things in process in the standards process, and that's what's going in here. So nothing weird, you know, or that's like not even standards track. This stuff is all standards track. Is that you know maybe at some point the your output is the same as your input because it's based on this browser list of of stuff, right? So if you said, I want the most modern browsers, it'll it'll start doing less and less and less and less and less because it's not changing anything. Because it says, oh, this browser already supports any link. This browser already supports focus visible. I don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. So then it's the same. It kind of like, it's designed to make itself obsolete in a way that SAS isn't. SAS is just, it's SAS forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. The more I dig into this, I'm going to be a grump. I don't, I'm grump it. Do it. Well, like, like, so system UI, right? Like it says, Oh, type body font family system UI. Right. We'll figure, I use it every figure day. Out the rest. Yeah. Um, I could just type system UI. Chris, I can also write some commas and type Arial Helvetica. That's really easy for Dave Rupert to type. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's like, hidden to me where in SAS, if you made a variable and said, I'm, my system UI font is a variable that represents this and then use that, there's some like, that's obvious what's happening because you can just go look. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's hidden to you. It looks just like CSS, but it's not. It's going to get transmorgified into... And, in the CSS tricks I want, like aspect ratio, gap, you know, like they're not in here. And that is, um, yeah. Like, like, cause for color functions, I can just write the color I know works in the color. I kind of, I, I hope works, you know, like, yeah, that's very sure. familiar to me in CSS. I, maybe it's not familiar to people. And so I, I don't want to yuck your yum. Maybe that's actually helpful, but like, like, I know I I have a, a bit of a brain on what might fail. I guess the nice thing is they take care of it for you based on browser stats. That's the so idea is that that's... you just don't have to think about it. If you just let your the overlords take over your body, Dave, and just said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about browser support. I'm just going to use the new modern syntax because I like it and I'll let the machine. Well, now I'm back kind of on it. I don't know. Like, cause you just write minimal modern and it just a lot of, of trust. It figures out the Delta. Yeah. That's the trust. Like in the, when the input and output Delta is, or that, right. That change is too big. That's where I get frustrated. Um, mm-hmm. and I'd be back on the no side, but, but I could see just purely for that little convenience of like, I'm going to write minimal modern and 
it's going to figure it out. So that's maybe cool. So that's why each one of these, I I have a a little mental hurdle on every single, every single one of them. Focus within. Have you seen this CSS selector? It's tremendous. It's awesome. It means that I can select a parent when any child of it is within focus. That's great for things like menus and CSS that you're trying to make keyboard accessible because you're tabbing through and the focused element changes and goes up and down the menu, but I can still select the parent and make it display block or whatever so that it's visible. Tremendously yeah. useful, but it's useful for all kinds of stuff too. Imagine you tab into a form and the whole form highlights itself saying, this is where you are right now on the page. So great. Knowing what's in focus is not something like if a browser just doesn't support focus within, wh- what? You know, like, yeah, yeah. How, how, what's you, it try to do? What's it try to do? And I think the answer is probably it injects some JavaScript too to Ooh, help you. Okay. You know, some of these Twist. do that. Um, and that's just yeah, weird. Okay. You know, now, now you really need to know what's going on B- yeah, because if you want to yeah. bundle that JavaScript, you've got to know how that's happening and whatever, you know, like that's just yeah. not something you can. I'm going to try it form focus within background pink, and then I'm going to see if it gives me something back, but I don't know if the REPL's working. So that could change. That could not do anything for me. Oh, look, it's on code pen. Yeah, it's kind of using CodePen to generate code pens. Um, that's kind oh, no. of rad. Anyway, that's just that's I'm that's something you really need need to know. But I'm almost there. I almost spiritually, I feel like I oh, sort of okay. need to get over it a little bit. It changes. It's using a data attribute. Yeah, but where does okay, it get the so data attribute? Well, yeah, it must run some JavaScript to like, <laughs> to to polyfill focus within so that's kind of how js focus visible works too is it like have like a right adds a maybe it says for you you know maybe it doesn't inject javascript and just says you should though like if you want this to work then you need to write some javascript to 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 put that data attribute on there when something inside is in focus but that's Mm non-trivial yeah that's funny i didn't see a uh like you had to use this javascript too but in the initial docs but yeah look at blank look at colon blank that's another one like how would if the browser isn't telling you if the input is blank or not how would you possibly know well look it injects freaking it says oh yeah you also need to load this script off on package i I like i like their approach though i like the data attribute kind of approach like because it's not data dash prefix but it's like basically what the standard is so i'm gonna give it a Uh, give it a b minus i like it i I don't hate it i just don't think that it's training you like you're not used to that in css you're like oh it just i don't know it just makes it work it just does magic and makes it work you're like yeah but that magic is like injecting javascript from where Mm -hmm. shouldn't i bundle it what are the perf concerns yeah you know like it's a little too much magic sometimes yeah, I will say I do. I do not see where the the JavaScript is. I'm, I'm not. I'm just skimming the docs, but I don't see where I included the JavaScript. So I guess maybe post CSS. Uh, doesn't, I don't I think it can't have it. it. Definitely needs to ask you to do it. Post CSS by itself doesn't can't be like. Oh, I will find your HTML document. I will find you, and I will put a script <laughs> tag in it. 
No, that's Should not going to work. Okay, all right. I'm forking the pen. I forced tell you me to talk secrets. about that too long. Oh, the, tell me your secrets. Yeah, that pen is, I know the history of it. It's it's very complicated. Mm, Jonathan Neal has a post on how you can get CodePen to support any any post-CSS plugin, and it's tricky bears news. It is a non, non-trivial setup. Uh, but it's okay, cool. so it uses CSS tools, GitHub IO, post CSS preset, env, codepen.bundle6.js. So What's in there? Whatever. Good luck. All right. Well, anyway, I'm, 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 I'm back and forth. Yes and no. Right. I'm in, I'm in the yes and no I camp. I wouldn't be pissed. You are with Babel too. So, right. So, yeah, that's it. If something is doing it well for me and I'm not the like, I don't inherit the burden, then it's cool. If that makes sense. But if the burden starts falling on me, then I'm just like, no. <laughs> this episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by CodePen, my company. Heck yeah. You know, it's of course, it's mandatory to upgrade to Pro if you listen to this podcast. The podcast it's just the way it is, you know. But you get a lot once you do it. Some of the cool things you can do is like upload files and it's like a really pretty nice file host that serves it from a global CDN and you can like resize images on the fly and they're super well cached and all kinds of cool stuff. Sure, asset hosting. There's all kinds of little features too. One of them is, you know, let's say you make a pen on CodePen and you want to test it uh, with like no crap around it. <laughs> no iframe, no UI, nothing. Just the code that you wrote only, untouched. That's what we call debug view on CodePen. It doesn't actually like directly give you advice about debugging problems in your code, but it's just your code so that you can debug it more easily. You open that, you open dev tools and the consoles in the right context and all that stuff. If you're pro, you can just use it on your pen, on any pen. Uh, rock and roll, just use use it, <laughs> which is nice. The thing is, you got to be pro to, to, you have to be logged in to use it, but if you're pro, you don't have to be logged in, meaning you can like send it to your phone or send it, open it in another browser that you're not logged into CodePen in and just use it because you're doing some cross-browser testing or whatever. Just that little feature alone, I think, is a, is a, is a useful one for Pro. There's also stuff like presentation mode. I don't know if you've ever opened that change view button. When you're in the pen editor in CodePen, there's a bunch of views in there. Professor mode, collab mode. We're not even going to talk about those. One of them towards the bottom is presentation mode, which like you'll see the header go away and the footer changes to have view controls on it. The the purpose of it is like, let's say you're screencasting or overhead projecting or sharing on full screen on Zoom, your browser window or something. And you just need as much room as you can get for just the code that's what it's for but you might be like oh it turns out that like i like coding in a dark theme but it's actually easier for people to see while i'm presenting in a light theme while well, you just change it in the footer because there's a little drop down to change the syntax highlighting there just a little feature that you just might need real quick on CodePen. upgrade to pro you got presentation mode now you can use it hopefully that's helpful so thanks bye Matt, this is a this is a good one because I want to admit to something here. Matt Crowling says, I first learned JavaScript with Backbone. And one of the days to 
Uh, and one of the ways to dig in was to look at the annotated source code. Like if you wanted to learn a little JavaScript, you can read a little backborn source code if you want to. Source code. These days, even in the projects I'm working on myself, there isn't a great way to follow the flow of an application by reading the code. The source is too fragmented, too many files, imports, exports, and the distributed code is uglified and commented and all that. I know that the main cause of this is the lack of good documentation, but I wonder if there's some programmatic ways to generate a Goldilocks level of source code a la backbone and underscore. I get what Matt's saying, right? Like it's hard to jump into an app and kind of get the whole lay of the land. I don't know. I feel like on some React projects I'm on, it's kind of not true. You can look at the index.js, maybe see the router, see what's going on. You can right-click and say, show me the component this came from and and kind of follow the crumbs relatively easily, I'd like to say. And a Next project has, and Nuxt have that kind of, the folders are the router structure going on. So that's pretty easy to look around. I'm not saying the world is perfect right now, but I don't, I don't feel it being terrible. Yeah, I mean that's uh if you get access to the source code. If you don't, you know, if you don't have the repo, it's maybe question marks. I mean, a lot of this has moved to dev tools, right? Like view dev tools, like in React Dev Tools, that's actually how you start seeing things come together. Um and like, oh, so it's storing the these pieces of data into state. That's cool. And then oh, it's you know, um yeah, I, I think there's you know, some definite, it, it's, it changes a bit, you know, and, and, but I think also, right. Like there's no documentation, like, like a comment code comments and stuff like that, because, you know, we've all been trained, you minify, uglify and strip out, you know, yeah, every ounce of like human readable sense that you can, um, and now we depend on source maps to exist to like map it back to the original code. Do source maps work? Sometimes, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. That's if they that's the if problem. they're working great on a project, you're like, holy niceness, this is nice. But if they break, sometimes I for yeah, sometimes I forget what it's like because you're like, oh, oh, I'm. It's not line one thirty seven of bundle js or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. which is nine thousand characters long. It's you know, it's like to the exact line in the exact file. Sometimes you're just like, oh, yeah, I forgot it could be like this. This is amazing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know what the modern take is it, you know, if I was going to get them going on a project, I'd just try to read the docs and just be like, I oh, don't know, this is how you do it. I, I just failed the other day. I tried to get them going on a pretty simple project, I thought, and DevTools just wasn't seeing it. And I just I had no idea. I just gave up. It's like, no, I forget it. I, well, back to the go, I want less tooling. I think that's part of the problem, right? Like you have five different code mods, web packers, code mods, bundles, whatever in the pipeline. They're the fidelity at which they can, yeah, like retro or trace the steps of that line of code goes down. I think is it so. it's like so? Here's two problems that could happen with the source map. One of them is does the dev tools even see it? So, and I think to see it, it's a one-liner, right? It's like at the very bottom of the bundle, there's a oh, line that says like slash, comment. slash, at, something, whatever. So first, like, how do you know that that's for sure right? Like, has it ever changed over time? Is there docs for that kind of thing? Whatever. And then if it finds it, is there some green check mark or something? Like, I have found source map. All is well. 
Because that, just finding the source map and making sure it's in the right format and you've loaded it correctly, that's one thing that could go wrong. And another thing that could go wrong is like, was the source map generated correctly? Or is there like syntax errors or something in it? And I don't Mm -hmm. think DevTools tells you either one of those. How would you even start to troubleshoot that? Yeah, I don't even know if it shows up in the network inspector, right? Like, yeah, like loaded um, source map. I doubt it. Might, might. Uh, yeah. I, the only thing, the only clue I would have is open the inspector panel and see if I get a line. You know, if, yeah, exactly. If it says line one or any number greater than one, then I'm in business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, <laughs> and if it's not, then then what? It's, it doesn't show you an error. It just shows you it probably doesn't have the source map. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or is this yeah. like, is it broken in this like version of the browser I'm using? Like, I don't even know where to start, yeah. you know? Well, and, and yeah, I've worked on client projects and, you know, it's like, it just, it was literally the CSS was too much and it just exploded. The co- the thing was just like, I don't load. So. Oh, your source map is like, too big. That could be it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like a two meg file or something like that. And you're just like, Burp. Doesn't work. So, so this is what I wanted the, to say, though. About, well, oh, they yeah. only load right if you have DevTools open. Like that's a DevTools initiated call, I believe. That not yeah. server initiated call. So true, but still, I could see it showing up in the network tab. But I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen one in there. But maybe. Yeah. The the, the what I wanted to say about Matt's thing was that like he was talking about how Backbone kind of helped you understand what was going on in a project. I don't. I never once, never once used it. I don't even know what Backbone does. I have no idea. I remember. I know it's like a Jeremy Ashkenes thing, and it was, it had its whole heyday. But I, I, at the time, I remember being totally embarrassed by it because I'm like, I don't understand. I don't get it. I have no idea. What is this? Yeah. I can't really say I understand it either. I know I used it, but I don't, can't really say I understand it. <laughs> was it a router? It. Yeah. It was, it was like a primitive router. Um, but then kind of your functions and templates were kind of together. Um, mm. So, so it had some opinions you know, about how you structure your JavaScript? I believe. Oh, it did yeah. templating too? Well, I think you had a BYO, but... Um, oh, my gosh. If I recall. So it was but, a framework, like you would use it instead of... Like you would use yeah, it in the way you'd use React today, in a kind of? Yeah, kind of more... Or like a lemon like Rails-y. Oh. Yeah, like, like you're just like, okay, go to this route, this controller, and... Give, mm. render this method kind of thing if i believe so uh yeah that's again cool. I'm, not I'm sure there's plenty of backbone projects well. out there still in the world that's how technology is you give people technology and they build stuff with it and then it lives forever because old dave rupert dave rupert's gonna start learning react today for in five years when everyone wants to redo their whole <laughs> react site <laughs> Guess who's making the money? Yeah, Dave Guess Rupert. It's your boy. It's your boy. Somebody, I, I've been taking banjo lessons, right? And I, mm-hmm. and so of course, I know you don't know how this happens, but you immediately get roped into being the website person for the person who makes the. Never thing. had that yeah. experience in my whole life. Yeah, yep. but I'm like, whatever. We'll trade. You know, professional experience yeah. for professional experience here. But I kind of love it. It's this ancient ancient WordPress site that somebody just hacked up like in 2014 or something. And it's never been touched since then. It's on Bluehost. So I'm like mm-hmm. zooming with the banjo lady, getting, trying to get access to the Bluehost thing, finding the FTP login stuff, getting in there. And the first thing I do is just She's get got it. it written on a scrap of paper. Yeah. No, she phone, didn't even have that. Right? We had to reset yeah. the password, okay. the thing. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, so the yeah. first thing I do is like, let, do not touch it. You know, the thing to me feels like fragile as a glass menagerie, Dave. Just do mm-hmm. not. If you hit upgrade WordPress on that thing, that's the last day that thing's going to work for sure. Cause yeah. that's too you many sneeze, years. Yeah. It falls apart. It's, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what it feels like. It may not be true, but it's like, that's too old. It's too many years old to just be clicking buttons in there for sure. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I do is just yank it all, just pull it down to FTP which I did. And then I used WP Migrate DB Pro, which ran on it miraculously to oh, pull the wow, DB, yeah. you know, even though some of the database tables were in weird formats and stuff. It was able to kind of repair itself when I got it locally. Because I'm thinking if I can spin it up locally, then I can get it somewhere live. And if that's where it, if that's the Bluehost thing again, cool. But otherwise, I'll put it somewhere that I know just for muscle memory or whatever. But I pulled on the whole thing locally and spin it up, upgrade all the plugins, upgrade WordPress, you know, look through the theme, get rid of junk and stuff. And I found it very cathartic. It was nice. It was like a Marie Kondoing some WordPress. I felt very satisfied doing this work. That's nice. I was, I like, what is the equivalent? Is this like when somebody's like, oh man, I need my brakes changed or whatever. And you're, they're like, bring it over to my house or something, you know? And like they, yeah, like you had just, it comes into your garage and you just get to work on it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So. And they get to like scrape away the sludge in there or something. And they're like, oh yeah, feels good. Love scraping sludge. Power washing websites yeah. is what this is, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Every swat, like, I get to just like highlight one line one through like nine nine hundred of CSS. That's just some <laughs> crap they pasted in there that does, does nothing, and I know it. And I just get to hit delete and just oh, feel that power washer go. Oh, that's a business. See, that's this is it. This is what a Twitch stream should be: <laughs> power washing <laughs> websites. Mm-hmm. Give me your old website. We're just gonna, <sighs> just gonna rehab it. What she wanted to do was just change the look a little bit. Like there's a very old picture of her on there. Remove the old picture and, you know, the fonts look weird. Let's just clean it up. It's not responsive. You know, I could probably do that work by my not power washing it, but just going in there and just jacking a few things around, you know. But I was like, no, 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 I'm going to power wash it, you know. Yeah. So there's a. Oh, keep going. Well, yeah, she wanted going. a new theme. So she's like, I'll just click new theme, you know, because there's all kinds of beautiful themes and it's a pretty simple mm-hmm. site. So it should be fine. The problem is the way that the, it has one little piece of advanced functionality on the site and is that you can log in to the site um, from the outside of it. You know, like you don't go to WP admin, you log in from the outside and then it takes you to a special page and you like see your student resources or whatever. But it was baked okay. right into a template file. So as soon as ah, you hit new so theme, it's gone. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, so that ruins it. Right. right. So you got to just, I got to mess with the old theme. But fortunately, that's my specialty. Yeah. No, I, I saw, I went to a website for a restaurant here in Austin. It's like very, like, good Japanese restaurant, you know? Yeah. And, but it was like not responsive. It was like very old, like even used like web 2.0 icons and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And I just was like, can I adopt a website? Because I would just, I'd trade this for food <laughs> for like $200 in sushi. I'd trade. I'd do a trade. So yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like anyway, I don't know. Maybe one day that'll be my life, but yeah, it doesn't, the economics of it aren't great, you know, cause you're like $200 in sushi is a wonderful thing to have, but like your professional rate at this point, is probably going to be more like six to eight hours. And then that's probably more like a thousand dollars or more. Yeah. The economics does not work out, but 
but it feels good. Yeah. If you're already rich, good, who cares? You know, it feels good. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Let's get rich. Well, I was, I was doing really well until this office and now I got a, yeah. now I got a walnut laptop stand. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah. Uh, I know. I know. I'll tell you what it is. I'm in, do your new desk come yet? You get the L? Oh, it's coming. It's coming. I, no, I, I, so upgrade update on the desk. Uh, I I came into the office space once it was made and I have like two desks. I have a little Ikea desk and two Ikea desks. One is like just a table with some legs, you know, and one's like the Ikea Bacant standing desk. And I started prototyping desk layouts, right? Like, okay, if I put my L desk here, how does this feel, right? I didn't like it, Chris. I just was <laughs> like, and then Jesse came in and she was like, so I'm just going to like see the computer on the L yeah. desk? And I was like, Oh no, maybe I'll try it by the wall and then like put like the L desk on the walls, mm-hmm. you know? So I was walls only. Okay. Literal jump scare. Jesse came in and I went, Whoa! <laughs> like, <laughs> like literal, like, like, like freak out. Um, and so I, I just was like, yep, that one's out of the equation. You know, I was on Twitter, like joking about this. Trent was like, put it in the middle of your room, you know, facing the door. I did that. All I see is monitor. I don't get to see the fancy outside I have. Like, I just see monitor. So, like, like that's not going to work. So, I did a switch, and I'm going to go with a, like, 80-inch wide mega desk. One desk, two computers, Mac and PC running on it. Um, I might have to buy new monitors to, like, <laughs> make it all work, you know, like, with switches and stuff like that. But um, I'm going to do one big, big desk. So, and then because I was whatever just like let's just spend money i got a walnut desk so now i have a big walnut desk coming and that should be here pretty soon uh, beautiful i can't wait to see it yeah i just was like if i'm getting a big desk let's just get a big nice one right like one this is the last desk you know yes. this is it so that should be your first youtube video i'm gonna make I, I, I got a few youtube videos uh one is where I try to figure out how many linear feet of books shelving I need because <laughs> I have I have so many like comic books and crap and then I think I have whatever boxes of books in the freaking you know uh like garage too. So gotta go through that. Mario conduit, get rid of it. So I'll help that go. Books are awesome at that in offices. Not that it's bad, yeah. but it's still good. No, no, you can hear it. Yeah, we should wrap up. Sorry, too much Dave this episode. Oh, come we'll, on. we'll turn never, it down. Never. We'll just, uh, hey, hey, hey. But thank you, uh, dear listener, for downloading this and your podcast your choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. And uh head over to our Discord or like go to the Patreon, click the the donate buttons, and then go into our Discord because it's popping off. It's really fun. So that's patreon.com slash shop talk show. So, Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Shopdogshow.com.